Thanks, Pastor Jeff. And good morning, everybody. Man, excited. Yeah, I've been loving this series called Stable Relationships, and I love how Pastor Jeff really defined it. Of course, it's a play on words. We normally depict the Christmas story in a stable. That's how we understand it. Maybe Jesus was born in a cave. Maybe he was born in a stable in a cave. You know, we, <laughs> we'll see. But when we're talking about stable relationships, Pastor Jeff defined it for us for the series. We're talking about a stable relationship with God and a stable relationship with others. A stable relationship. It's not likely to change or fail. It's firmly established. At Christmas time, we remember that Jesus was born in a manger. He became flesh. God dwelt among us so that we could have a stable relationship with God and a stable relationship with others. So I want to tell you something that happened this week exciting in our household. Noah, our son, he's a year and a half. He got his first haircut. That was this week. Yeah, sure, give it up. Noah got his first haircut. He really needed it. It had been a while. And, of course, my mom gave him the haircut. His grandmother gave him a haircut. Nani, we call her. And she cut my hair growing up until <clears throat> I was in middle school, and then that wasn't cool anymore. You know, so <clears throat> for her to give him his first haircut, it was fun. And, of course, what did she do? She, she brought it, and she, she cut it, and Rebecca almost had a heart attack, you know, as a mom. You know how tough that would be? You know, oh, his little curls, you know. But my mom, when she's done, she's got the mirror, and she's, like, showing him the back of the head like this. I'm like, like, he knows what's going on, right? <laughs> He's paying attention to his haircut right now, sure, right? But that's what, that's what you do when you get your haircut. You know, you, usually you have a mirror, you're looking at it. The mirror helps you to see the back of your head, too. The mirror helps you to see what's going on, where you need to make a change, where you need to make an adjustment. Helps you see things that you couldn't normally see on your own, right? And it's a good illustration for us to remember as we're in this series, and really any time we read the Bible, that the Bible is meant to be a mirror. The Bible's meant to be a mirror. Now, some people don't use it this way. Some people use the Bible as a hammer, to hammer other people down, right? Some people use it as a stamp, of approval to do whatever I want. Some people use it as a tool to get whatever I want. There's lots of ways and lots of things that people use the Bible for. Some use it as a textbook. Man, is it okay if I do this or is it okay if I do that? But the Bible's meant to be a mirror, meant to be a mirror. And this is even what the Bible itself says in James chapter 1. <clears throat> don't, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're fooling yourselves. If you listen and you don't obey... It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says, don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. <clears throat> and so as we look into these stable relationships in this series, we're meant to kind of look in the mirror a little bit. Hey, these qualities that we read in Elizabeth and Mary and today in Joseph— you know, what matches up in my life and what doesn't match up? And it's not because we're trying to guilt people. It's not because the Bible's trying to guilt you. It's because God's trying to grow you, right? And so just like, that's how you know if you need a haircut. That's how you know if you've got to swoosh your hair this way or that way, or you've got to trim your beard or whatever, right? That's what God's word is meant to do for us this morning, no matter who you are. And so in Elizabeth, uh, the first week talked about Elizabeth. I loved that. Elizabeth being elderly and still God answered her prayer, God is always ready to re-enlist you, no matter who you are. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. God is always ready to use you. And I loved, too, what you said that week, Pastor Jeff, how God wants to use you to bless others. 
right? Sometimes we think about, God, what are you doing in my life? But God wants to bless others through you. And we saw that in Elizabeth's story. Last week, we looked at Mary, how she was favored and chosen by God and how she worshiped God. And so today we're looking at Joseph, the father of Jesus. And so Joseph, he's the unsung hero of Christmas, right? Joseph, we'll see in the passage as we read today, he was from the line of David. So uh, that's where he's coming from. He's a carpenter or a craftsman or maybe a maceman, stone worker, something. He worked with his hands in that way. His name means that God will add Joseph. Again, he's the earthly father of Jesus because we know uh, Jesus' heavenly father is God. He was birthed by the Holy Spirit, but he's the earthly father of Jesus. Interestingly, there's actually no words recorded of Joseph for such a major person, a key figure in the Bible We don't have a single sentence from this guy. And so, interesting, I think even that, as we go through the scripture today, we'll see the importance of how Joseph lived his life instead of just what he said. Uh, And the last record we have of Joseph is when Jesus was 12 years old. In Luke chapter 2, his parents would go to the temple, as they did every year, it said. And then we don't hear about Joseph again, so we don't know what happened to him. Many simply believe because he's omitted after that, he must have passed away. We, We don't know this for sure. And so it just, that's the last time we hear of him. But of course, yeah, the unsung hero of Christmas, Joseph. And so let's, let's read part of his story, most of his stories in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2. And that's what we're going to be reading today. So if you have a Bible, open it up. We'll be in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2. And it'll also be on the screen for you here too. And so let's read it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, And took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Familiar passage of scripture, beautiful at Christmas time. As we've been in this series, we've looked at different characteristics of stable relationships. You're here today, you feel like maybe your connection with God's a little fuzzy. Maybe you came to church today because somebody invited you. God wants you to have a stable relationship with him. You feel like Christmas time, the holidays, work, your family, the, the, the connections are fuzzy. They're not really stable. God wants to, you to have a stable connection, a stable relationship with your family. So we're going to see five qualities, five stable characteristics of Joseph that we see right here in the scripture that are for you and for me. The first one is this. Joseph was faithful. Joseph was faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, Faithful faithful. It's okay. You can try it again. I know a couple of us slept on that. How about we do it again? Look at your neighbor and say, faithful. There we go. Faithful. What does the scripture say? This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. 
because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Faithful. Um, of course, most of your translations probably say righteous. He was righteous. Uh, the King James Version says that he was just. The NIV had picked up, it said faithful. Right? And so he was righteous. He was faithful to God's ways. The Bible, you know, the Bible says a couple things about righteous. It says that there, Joseph was righteous and other people in the Bible, Noah was righteous, Abraham was righteous. Then the Bible also says no one is righteous. So, oh my gosh, the Bible's contradicting itself. No, no, no. We, we understand what's going on. No one is righteous. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone needs a savior. But then the Bible's showing us some people who had a right relationship with God, who knew their need for God. Hey, they were righteous. Uh, that re- Greek word, dikaios, righteous, be upright with, being in accordance with God's compelling standards. And so he was in right relationship with God and right relationship with God's ways. That was Joseph. He was righteous. He was faithful to God and to God's ways. And it's interesting as we see he was pledged to be married uh, or uh, pledged to be married to Mary. They were pledged to be married, engaged, old school world, betrothed, okay? But then what else does it say? Because Joseph, her husband, so you're like, wait, hold on, were they fiancé or were they husband and wife? You know, which one were they? And uh, back and during Bible times, engagement was different than it was today. It was actually much more serious. It was basically like you were married. What happened is during the time you were betrothed or engaged, it was a year-long engagement, and you were considered legally married. You were already married. That's why he's the husband already, even though they haven't come together. He is her husband. Uh, most likely, <clears throat> their parents signed a contract. Uh, this was an arranged marriage years ago. And so now they're old enough. Mary is probably 14, maybe 16. Joseph's probably 18, maybe 20. So they're young, pre-arranged marriage. They probably grew up knowing each other. Hopefully they did. <laughs> But some think that for this year-long engagement, uh, that this might have been the time where they really got to know each other and fall in love and visit their family and come together during this engagement time. And so Joseph was known as a righteous person, as a faithful person. What are we saying today? The Bible's meant to be a mirror. So how about you? What are you known as? If the Bible was being written about you, what would it say, not about what you think you should be or what the right answer is, what would it just say about your life? What would it say about who you are if the Bible was being written about you? Would it say that you're faithful? Would it say that you're righteous? Did you know that you can be a teenager, you can be 14 years old and be known as a faithful, righteous person? That's what I'm reading right now in the Bible. Did you know that you could be really old and feel like, man, my best days are behind me? And did you know God can re-enlist you? God can use you? You could still be known as a faithful and righteous person no matter who you are today. If you're a teenager or if you're older, wherever you are on the spectrum, you can be a faithful person through the power and through the help of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph, the first quality we see, he was faithful. What else do we see? Joseph was faithful but he was also deliberate. Now, this is a really good one to say to your neighbor. So look at your neighbor and say, deliberate. Deliberate. So you had to do that on purpose, didn't you? Deliberate. What does it say in verse 20? After he had considered this, he had considered this, right? The Greek word for considered here, it means to reflect or to ponder. So you have to imagine, Mary and Joseph, 
They're engaged for this year-long engagement. They're not meant to come together, but they're hopefully falling in love, right? That's probably what's going on there. You have to imagine, think about when you, anybody who is married, you've gotten engaged, or if you're single, you're, you know, you dream about your wedding day one day. So this is where Mary and Joseph are, young, ready to fall in love, ready to be married. And now Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. You have to imagine how heartbroken he must have felt. How could this be? How could she not be faithful? I've been faithful. She hasn't been faithful to me. The, the heartbrokenness. The betrayal. We're engaged. We loved each other. She's betrayed me now. The anger. How furious maybe he must have been. How could she have done this to me? And so you know what? He's going to divorce her. It's over between us. This is what's going to happen now. You have to imagine. But he's considering what to do. Faithful people, righteous people, stable people are often tested in difficult circumstances. You don't become known as a faithful person or a righteous person because your life is easy. The way that Joseph responded is what determined that, hey, he was a faithful person. And so according to the Old Testament law that Joseph lived by, he actually had a right to expose her and Mary could have been stoned. She could have been killed because she was regarded as unfaithful. Now, we fig- that's pretty intense. I mean, I'm really glad we don't do that today. That's like really, really intense. But when we think about being in New Testament times with Joseph, uh, Joseph, he could have had her killed because of her infidelity to him because she slept with somebody else. She hasn't been fa- I've been faithful. She hasn't been faithful to me. He could have done that. Most likely, he wouldn't have had her killed. I mean, that's really intense. Even during Bible times, they thought it was intense. So usually what they did was he would divorce her publicly. He'd go to the elders and tell everybody, she's been unfaithful to me. Look at her. She's pregnant. No one should be with her. I'm divorcing. I have nothing to do with her shame. It's totally on her. It has nothing to do with me. It'd be like if we brought somebody right up front to the front here and said, they're a sinner. Nobody should talk with them. Nobody should be near them anymore. That's what would have happened during this time. And so Joseph's considering this because he has every right to do so. He's been betrayed. He's been hurt. He's been heartbroken. He considered this. But you can see his love for her, which is demonstrated by his actions. Because he wants to divorce her as he's supposed to do, given this news, but he wants to do it quietly. He doesn't want to shame her. He doesn't want to bring her up front and tell everybody she's the worst. He's not trying to hurt her. He's trying to be faithful and do what's right. He was thoughtful. He was considerate. He was deliberate. He was careful. Righteous people are often tested in difficult situations, and how you handle that situation determines your faithfulness. He was offended, and I think this is important for us to recognize. You know, there are different types of offense. There are different types of offense. Joseph was offended when he heard what happened to Mary, right? There are real offenses. Somebody hurt you. Somebody did something to hurt you, and so you're hurt. You're offended. You're angry. You're upset. I'm offended. And that was Joseph, real offenses. But then there are perceived offenses. This person hurt me, but it turns out that I actually don't have all the information, which actually that's really where Joseph was. He was offended, but he didn't have all the information. Mary was not unfaithful to him. The Holy Spirit was doing something miraculous. So there are perceived offenses. Well, I, I, think they, I, they, you know, I think they hurt me, or sometimes somebody did something, they did the wrong thing. It was with the right motive. I know they didn't mean to hurt me, but they did hurt me anyway. They should never have done that to me. So it's a perceived offense. I know they didn't mean to hurt me, 
but they hurt me. But then, of course, there are familiar offenses that I'm offended of what you did or what you said or what you look like because you remind me of somebody else. You remind me, you triggered me, you made me think about somebody in my past or this event in my past. And so even though you didn't do anything that really deserves me to be angry with you, there's a familiar offense. You remind me of that. You bring me back there. You trigger me and I'm offended at you. And then there are convenient offenses. When I don't like what's going on and I need somebody to blame, you know, it's probably their fault. It's probably my boss. It's probably my spouse. It's probably my coworker, the guy I sit next to. It's probably the pastor. That's the reason everything stinks around. No, that's what we want to do. Oh, it's a convenient event. I could just find someone else to blame. And so the Bible's a mirror. How do you handle offense? How do you handle offense? What do you do? You look for someone to blame? Are you, you try to get revenge? You try to get even? This person hurt me, so I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to badmouth them to everybody. I'm going to let everybody know no one should be with this person. They talk about me, I'm going to talk about them. You try to take control of the situation, how do you handle offense? Do you refuse to change your mind? Do you become unreasonable? But here's the thing. He had in mind, Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly. It says he didn't want to give her public disgrace. Stable people, faithful people, righteous people, they don't disgrace. They give grace. Hear what I said? (laughs) Righteous people, they don't disgrace. They give grace. He had every right to be offended, but he didn't act on emotion. He waited on God. Stable people don't act on emotion. They wait on God. Stable people don't act on emotion. They wait on God. If you want a stable relationship with God, stable relationship with others, don't act on that emotion. doesn't mean don't have emotion. Sometimes as Christians, we're like, so you can't have any emotion. No, he, he had every right to be offended, but he considered. He was deliberate. Let me think about this. Ask for the Holy Spirit to help you. So Joseph, he was faithful. He was deliberate. And we see this too. Joseph was familiar with God's voice. He was familiar with God's voice. I just think this is so interesting as you read the Bible. It says, uh, it says right, so he's considering what to do. What happened? So an angel appeared to him in a dream. And then uh, it, it fulfills what the Lord said through the prophet, right, in, in Isaiah, right? That's what it's saying. And then later in chapter 2, happens again. Uh, the angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, told him what to do. And that was also fulfilling what God said should happen. And then again, and later again in chapter 2, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, told him what to do. Hey, you can move back to Israel now. And then even when he's trying to move back, he was warned in a dream by the angel, and it fulfilled what was going on uh, in his life. And so what strikes me, it's interesting. The Bible, it's written down because it's pretty amazing that God actually could speak to you in a dream. That's why they wrote it down. They're like, yo, guess what? Like, Joseph, God speaks to Joseph in a dream. That's nuts. It's pretty cool. But to me... As I read this, I feel there's like a matter-of-factness to it. There's like a, yeah, like, and then he did it again, and then God just spoke to him again, just gave him a dream and told him what to do, and then Joseph knew what to do. If you notice, God does speak in dreams, but this is different than dreams in the Old Testament with Joseph, who's in Genesis, or Daniel. Those dreams, they needed interpretation. When you realize the context there, it's usually in the context of people who don't know the one true God, and so they're able to shine like a light as they give the interpretation. In this case, there, there wasn't an interpretation needed. There wasn't a mystery. It seemed like the final piece of confirmation that Joseph needed. I, he was considering what to do. I don't want to act on my emotion. 
I want to be faithful. What should I do? And then God told him what to do. Great. (laughs) It's pretty cool how matter of fact it is. And you know, for Joseph, it wasn't about the mystery. It wasn't about the messenger. It wasn't about the method. It was about the message. Okay, so how many people know who this is? You know who this is? Who is it? Stan Lee, that's right, Stan Lee. He's like, what, the creator of like everything Marvel, basically, that you love. Oh, he made, he made Iron Man, he made Spider-Man, he made all these superheroes, right? He's the creator, and he's cameos in all these movies. This is from Fantastic Four, 2005, okay? He cameos as the mailman. Now, so what happens is sometimes as Christians, we can get so excited about the mystery or so excited about the messenger that we can miss the message sometimes from God. Right? And so here's what happens. Here's Stan Lee as the mailman, and we could be like, wait, that's Stan Lee. Do you know who that is? He made this. He made that. He's important. He was in this movie one time. And we're like, wow, look at him, the mailman. And so now we're so excited about the mailman, and we're missing. What's the mailman's job? To deliver, to deliver mail, to deliver a message, right? And so sometimes as Christians, we'll be like, oh, it's the mailman. Though. Look at it. Look, I mean, look how he's dressed in that blue. Look at those cool sunglasses. The mailman came to me. Okay, and then, and then sometimes we'll get the message too. We'll say, but look, 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 I got a letter in the mail. I got it. Oh my gosh. And then we put it and we put a box around it. We tell it, oh, I got, I got, the, I got this thing in the mail. Whoa. And we're doing the thing. We're, we're not reading what the message is. And here's why. Here's why. Sometimes Christians, we do this. Why do we worship the mailman and we worship the messenger and the method and the mystery? Why? Because sometimes we open up the message and all the messages Hey, it's me, God. You need a haircut. <laughs> Let me know when you want to make an appointment. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's not that exciting. It's more exciting that the messenger came and the mailman came, right? But not Joseph. Joseph didn't get distracted with the mystery. He didn't get distracted with the method. Whoa, God showed up to me in a dream. Whoa, the angel of the Lord, man. Like, he, no, he got the message from God. He knew what to do. He was familiar with God's voice. And I think this is key. He's familiar with the way that God spoke to him in a unique way. God spoke to him in dreams. Maybe God has spoken to you in dreams, or maybe he wants to speak to you in dreams. He knew the unique way that God spoke to him. But not only that, he was familiar with the number one way that God speaks, God's word. The number one way that God speaks is the Bible, God's word. And Joseph knew it. I think it's just so interesting that every time he has a dream and is told what to do, The next verse, the author, Matthew, says, by the way, that fulfilled this scripture. Oh, yeah, by the way, after the angel appeared in a dream and Joseph obeyed, it fulfilled the scripture. And, oh, again, it fulfilled the scripture. And so just like Mary, I believe Joseph had a knowledge of God's word. He was familiar with God's voice. He was familiar with God's word. He was familiar with the unique way that God spoke to him. And so for us, this is so important, God's word is meant to be our source. You know, I just showed that picture of Stan Lee. A lot of times, what do we ask, like comic book or movie world? You're like, oh, is that canon anymore? Fantastic Four from 2005. Is that canon, right? Do you know what that word canon means? It's funny how it's in pop culture now, that word. That was a Bible term that's now in pop culture. Canon means measuring rod. Oh, so does this count? What do I measure it against? Is is this part of the the, the canon of what Marvel's doing? Is this part of the canon of the new Star Wars? No. Is, Is this part of the measuring rod? The Bible says to do this, 1 John 4, 1, dear friends, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, you must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, 
Look, there's many false prophets in the world. And so how about you? How about you? The Bible's meant to be a mirror. Do you know God's voice? Are you familiar with God's voice? Are you familiar with the unique ways that God speaks to you? God speaks through dreams. He speaks through nature. He speaks through visions. He, I know somebody who speaks through movies, right? Like, what are way, I believe God's always speaking. What are the ways that God is trying to get your attention? And are you familiar with God's word? That if somebody said, well, I have a message from God. Well, I had a dream, blah, 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 blah. Are you familiar enough with God's word that you'd be able to say, that does sound like it's from God. Or, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think that that's from God. Are you familiar with God's word? And how about this? One more for you. We're talking about the measuring rod, the canon. Test every spirit. For you, what's your measuring rod? What do you test things by? Do you test it by scripture or do you test it by something else? Do you test it by your feelings? Well, I don't, I don't, feel, I don't feel like that's what I want right now. <laughs> or I really feel like this way. Are your feelings your measuring rod? Is it, is it hold on, I'm going to push you for a second. Is it your political party? Is that what you run everything by? Is that what you test everything by? Is it your career? Is it social media? Is it a relationship with somebody? What's your measuring rod? What do you test things by? Or is it God's word? Are you familiar with God's word? The Bible says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you speak, right? And so Joseph, his stable characteristics, we see he was faithful, he was deliberate, he was familiar with God's voice. And what else do we see? He was a man of action. A man of action. Let's do it again. Look at your neighbor and say, a man of action. A man of action. That was Joseph. So he considered this. God speaks to him in a dream. And what's it say? When Joseph woke up, he did he did it. He did what the angel commanded. That's it. And you know what? Every time he did what the angel commanded, he woke up. He did what the angel said. He took Mary as his wife. Uh, the, angel said, the angel comes in a dream. Get up. You got to move to Egypt. You're going to die. He goes, all right. So he got up and he went during the night. Think about You know what? He, he went during the night. The same night he had the dream, God gets up and moves his family to another country. What the heck? What the? Man, you got to be sure God is speaking to you. And he is a man of action. I don't know if you're like me. You know what I do? Uh, I got to think about that. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, God. You know, sometimes we tell God no. You know what, Lord? No. Sometimes we do that. But you know what we do more often probably, if you're like me anyway? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just, I got to, I don't know how this is going to work, though. I got to think about it. Let me pray. God just gave you the answer. No, 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 but like I need to pray, <laughs> right? And, and, and we delay our obedience, right? We delay it. And so we, get, we, we miss it. We miss it. Jo- uh, some, Joseph, if he had delayed his obedience, if he left three weeks later because he had to think about it, maybe his family would have been killed. Herod was coming to kill them. He moved right away. He didn't delay he was a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. And even again, when he's moving back to, uh, when he moves back to Israel, uh, he got a dream, get up. So what did he do? He went, he got up. And then when he was trying to figure out what town he should move in, he was afraid to move in this one town. So in a dream, he was warned. And then he went somewhere else and it fulfilled the scripture. Boom. That's it. Joseph, he was a man of action. He was a man of follow through. He didn't just talk the talk, but he walked the walk. You know, Christians sometimes are really good at 
talking the talk. <laughs> We're really good at memorizing the Bible verses or talking about what we believe or talking about these things, right? And, and, and those are good. We're good at talking about it. Sometimes we just need to be people who walk the walk. Sometimes we just need to be people of action. We just need to be the person who does it. Stable people, righteous people, they rise to the occasion. You know, when I think about a man of action, you know who I think about? I'm dead serious. I think about Pastor Jeff. That is who I think about, a man of action. I learned quickly after joining the staff here that if I don't want Pastor Jeff to do something for me, don't tell him. Because as soon as I say something to him, he's going to move, which is amazing. So like I said to him one time, you know, Pastor Jeff, uh, I think like I kind of have a heart. I want to be involved in the community a little bit. I'm just kind of telling you that. I just want to let you know that's on my heart. What do I find out? Monday morning, he's on the phone, two different committees, the Clergy Association, Human Relations Council. Yeah, I got my pastor, Matt, right here. He wants to, he's going to be in the next meeting. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, that's it. He's a man of action. We got this gorgeous uh, stable here. We got this from Mountaintop Church, my dad's church, the stable. We were to borrow it. But we didn't have a manger. So I tell Pastor Jeff, hey, I'm going to call. I think I'm going to call. I told him who I was going to call. I think I'm going to ask him to build the manger. Not before he's back from Home Depot with wood building the manger. <laughs> Pastor Jeff is a man of action. And that's what we're supposed to be too. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not just a hearer, but a doer. That's what James says. You must, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. You must do what it says. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says, don't forget what you heard then God will bless you for doing it. So how about you? The Bible's a mirror. Are you a man of action? Are you a woman of action? Are you a person of action? If the Bible was being written about you, what would it say? I'm going to challenge you, but I'm I'm also doing you a favor. I put my name in here. If we subbed out your name, but we'll put my name in there, okay? What would it say? I think it's interesting how in one verse, Joseph has a dream, and in literally the next verse, it says he just did what the angel asked, right? So what if it was me? What if Matt, okay, Matt had, Matt had a check in his spirit. Wait a minute, you know? Matt had a dream of somebody. What if it was you? What if it was me that you had a divine thought? You know, maybe I should speak up. Maybe I should say something. What if I, I, Matt knew he should pray? I, I need to press in right now. I need to pray. Well, I, I knew I should change my behavior. This should, shouldn't be doing something I do anymore, right? So what would, if that was what verse 1 said, if it was being written about you, what would verse 2 say? What would it say about the way you live your life? Would it say, I, I forgot to get around to it. <laughs> I, I tried to ignore the feeling. Oh, shake it off, right? I ask God, why though? Come on, why, God, why? Or I thank God, God, thank you that you speak. Thank you that you spoke to me, Lord, and then didn't do anything, <laughs> right? Or I've refused to change or whatever. Or would it say, you know, Matt did what God asked him. Matt did what God asked him. Are you a man, a woman, a person of action this Christmas season? What's God asking you to do? Say something nice to a family member, hold the door open for somebody, invite someone to church, pray for somebody that you're offended at right now, to face your offense, to forgive somebody. What's God asking you to do? So Joseph, here's the last one we've got for us today. Joseph, he was faithful. He was deliberate. He was familiar with God's voice. He was a man of action. And lastly, we see this. He was fully surrendered. Fully surrendered. Joseph was fully surrendered. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 
And so we know there would have been a public shame or disgrace of Mary because they were engaged. They were betrothed. She's pregnant. Yeah, sure. God, how many times did that happen? Once. So, you know, I'm not going to assume this is that one time, right? Like, oh, Mary, everyone's going to talk about her. Everyone's going to think she was unfaithful. We're going to, especially at that time, excommunicate her now, right? It was so intense at that time. And now Joseph decides to take that upon himself now. Now I'm going to let everybody say this about me, right? They're engaged for, for a year. Some believe that this was during, so this was during that one-year engagement. Mary becomes pregnant. Some believe that so as soon as the angel spoke to Joseph, he didn't finish that one year. He violated all custom and invited Mary to stay in his home. And that's why it says, well, they, they still weren't together until she gave birth. He had self-control there and then all that stuff. But he took it upon himself. He invited Mary in. He thought about what Mary needed, not himself. Catch this. Joseph gave up his rights to do what was right. Joseph gave up his rights in order to do what was right. Many of us, we're really into our rights. <laughs> I have a right to this. You know, we got to stand up for our rights. You know, and I think in some ways, maybe some of our rights are a little threatened right now. Sure, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not against that. But what are you known for? Are you known for, to be a person who stands up for your rights? Or are you known as a person who does what is right? Do you stand up for the rights of others? Or do you just talk about your own rights? What you need, what you deserve, your privileges, right? Joseph had a lot of rights in this situation. We, talk, we talked about them. Joseph had a right to be offended at Mary. He had a right to be offended at her. It was a perceived offense, but it made sense. It, was a mo- it, it made total sense. He had a biblical right to divorce Mary. According to the Bible, this guy should divorce Mary. He had a right to divorce her. He had a right to disgrace her, according to his culture at that time, to publicly shame and humiliate her, make sure nobody marries this girl, nobody's with her. He had a right to walk away from all this. This is way too inconvenient for me. He had a right to walk away. He had a right to stay in Israel. He didn't have to move his family. But Joseph gave up his rights to do what was right. How about you? How about me? How about me? Hey, look, the mirror is up here. It's, it's my mirror. I brought it from home. So <laughs> how about you? How about me? How are we? Do we do what's right? I think it's interesting, this Philippians 2 passage about Jesus, how Jesus emptied himself. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, And gave him the name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven, on earth, under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Pastor Bonnie, would you come as we begin to wrap up this morning? Thank you for playing. This is how Joseph lived. This is what Joseph modeled, the father of Jesus. How amazing that actually he modeled the qualities that Jesus modeled as well. And that's what you are called to do. That's what I am called to do. We are called to do this. Want a stable relationship with God, a stable relationship with others? 
These are the qualities that God wants to cultivate in us. Joseph was faithful. He had a right relationship with God and with other people in God's ways. He was deliberate. He thought, he considered, even when he was offended. Well, let me think about this. Let me analyze. Let me consider. Why am I upset? What should I do right now? What's the right move to make? Didn't act on emotion. He waited on God. And he was familiar with God's voice. He knew the word of God. And he knew the ways that God spoke to him on a personal level. He was a man of action. He didn't sit on his hands. He did what God asked him to do. And he was fully surrendered. Even if it cost him something, if he had to give up his right in this area, he did it. And man, I'm thankful that he did because I'm a benefit of the way Joseph lived his life. So here's what I want to do today. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we begin to close out service this morning. I just want to give us an opportunity to respond just before we get out of here. I know it's Christmas time. We got to go. We got things to do. Yeah, no problem. Totally. Well, let's just spend a moment allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we've worshiped God this morning. We heard from God's word now. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We said the Bible's meant to be a mirror. There's a message. God's like, hey, I just, you know, we could trim up over here. I could give you a haircut over there, cut off a couple curls. You look a little messy right now. He's not trying to guilt you. He's trying to grow you right now. And so just before you leave, I know we got somewhere to go. We got places to be. Can we spend a few minutes connecting with the Holy Spirit? Let's begin to make this place a place of prayer. Wherever you are, you can bow your heads. You can close your eyes. I want to open these altars up. Come on up front to the altar. We've had some great time at the altar. You know what coming up front to the altar is about? It's about an opportunity to meet with God. It's about like making an appointment with the barber. Lord, I heard what your word said today. I see what it says, the qualities that you want to cultivate in me. Hopefully the Holy Spirit has brought to mind relationships or people or actions or words you've spoken. And let's ask the Holy Spirit now to begin to do his work in us. Thank you, Lord God, that your word speaks to us. Thank you, Lord God, that you move. Thank you, Lord God, that your word is like a double-edged sword. It can pierce to our heart. It can pierce between joint and marrow, right? It can separate. It can put our finger on our hearts. But Lord, we're so thankful for what Christmas time says, that you've come to dwell among us that you've given us the gift of your presence.